Bibles tonight to Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9, and we're going to read quite a bit tonight. Verses 1 through 16 tonight. As we dive into the message, does anyone need an outline? Everybody got an outline that needs one? Are we good to go? All right. There it is. I'm glad that it's so close and we can get it right there. Thank you for that. And so I use it all over the place. It's a good thing to use a Bible. And so I like using the Word of God, and we should use the Word of God. Um, Is there an extra outline that I could have, Christian? Do you got an extra one there? So I'm just trying to get you you know, get you moving around, get some of that world off of you and all that good stuff. And so, and uh, happy birthday to Katie. And so you don't look a day over 40, and congratulations on that. Oh, it's 36, that's what it is, 36. And so, happy birthday to you. And uh, we're going to be reading tonight Acts chapter 9, verse number 1. And Saul yet breathed out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, Why persecutest thou me? And look at his response. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men journeyed with him stood speechless hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did he eat or drink. And there a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord in a vision, said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judah for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in, and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here... He hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. We love you, and we need you, and we thank you for this passage of Scripture. To look before our eyes and see what you did to a man that hated you, and how you used him 
in a mighty way. Thank you for using people. Thank you for touching lives. Thank you for caring about your people. And thank you for being who you are. We don't deserve it. Man, reading this last week, it sure seemed like as I was reading, Lord, it seemed like Lot wanted to stay in Sodom. But you graciously got him out of there. And he didn't want to go very far, and yet you still were gracious. And thank you for being a gracious God. Bless the time that we have here tonight, and I pray that as we look at this passage and see what change took place in the life of Saul, we could remember back to the day that our lives were forever changed. And though maybe not the bright lights on a, the bright vision there in the, before Damascus for us, but whatever it was, you changed our lives. And you brought us up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and you set our feet upon a rock, and you established our goings, and we thank you for that tonight. Bless the time that we have. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One of the most amazing passages of Scripture in my mind has to be this passage here. I love hearing about people getting saved. I love it. Um, this last week I got a phone call, and very few people in this room will remember this person. But year, this, is, this goes back to the beginning of me being here shortly after. Bruce and Alma. Do you remember Bruce and Alma? So I got a phone call from Alma's niece the other day, and Alma passed away Christmas Eve, 97 years old. She just passed away, and her niece called me, and I remember, quite interesting story with those two, Bruce and Alma. And uh, I don't, still don't know all the details of everything there, but Bruce, he was literally in his mid-70s, and he was out here with a and were helping me get things done. He was, he was quite the guy, an encouragement to me. He opened up a savings account for William and took, him to the, took us to the bank and opened up a savings account for William back in the day. And he was an encouragement to me. He saw some old baseball gloves in one of the sheds here and shined them all up and thought it was so cool. And I got a picture of him downstairs somewhere in those because when he passed away, he gave his car to the church to sell. So, and gave the money to the church to redo the kids' class back then. And, uh, but Alma, her niece, was on the phone with me on Thursday, and she's like, the one thing that I wanted to call you for, tell you was, thank you for leading her to Jesus. And I remember, she was, she, was a she was a stubborn, old, mature lady. She was. And I remember that day sitting in her house, right after Bruce had passed away, and they had both been coming to church for a while. And we sat there, and I said, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? No one's ever showed me. Probably 85 years old at the time. And she very lovingly accepted Christ as her Savior that day. And her niece called to say, I remember that that happened, and thank you that I don't have to worry about my aunt. I know she's with Jesus. I don't think you'd get a better phone call than something like that. To look and see, in all reality, I want you to understand tonight as we look at this passage, in one way or another, every one of us that are saved, this story matters to us. Your life was changed by the gospel. 
And there's not some, and no one preached the gospel more or gave the gospel more than Paul did. And he was the messenger to the Gentiles, right? Didn't we read this? And so in one shape or another, how God used this man affects all of us, affected us. And to think that this man went from hurting the cause of Christ. And man, you talk about people hating Jesus and hating what he stood for. I think Saul would be at the top of the list. He hated Christianity. He hated Jesus. And you got to understand, he was probably around there when Jesus was around. This isn't like years after Jesus left. This is not that long after the fact. And he did his best to hurt the cause of Christ. But what I love is he took the same passion and fire he had to try to destroy Christianity, to promote it and risk his own life and gave everything he had to the Lord. Let's look at the story tonight. Number one, as we look at our outline, we see Saul's hatred of Christianity. Just look again at verse number one and two there. It says, And Saul yet breathed out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord. And this is, and not just the, if you remember something, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, right? You kind of see now there's kind of a break between the apostles and, and a disciple is a follower. And those of that have done the uh, discipleship course with me. A disciple is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. So Saul hated anyone, and his goal was to drive this out. And look at verse number 2. And desire of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way. What's the way? The way of Christianity, the way of Jesus Christ. If any were Christians, whether they were men or he didn't care that he might bound them on Jerusalem. His goal was to take those Christians and to put them in prison because he didn't want Christianity spreading. He hated it. He despised it. As we look at this, we see letter A, that Saul constantly threatened the work of God. He was a constant pain. He was a constant threat. If Saul were doing that today, he would probably walk in this place and drag out whoever he could to prison. He hated the cause of Christ because he thought that he was doing what was right. He was blind to it. And I think it's one of the things that haunted Paul the rest of his life. That's why he says you've got to forget those things that are behind. And who knows? You know, we talk about, people say they think they know what that was that, the, that he asked the Lord to take away from him. It could have been his memories of his past. There's a lot of things it could have been. But as we look here, he constantly threatened the work of God. He breathed in and spewed out his anger towards the people of God. He hated men and women who professed Jesus Christ. You go back to chapter number 8. And look at verse number 3. It says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to Entering into every house. He would go and knock on your door. Are you a Christian? Oh, no, we're not Christians in this house. And go to the next door. Are you Christians? He would take them to jail. Hey, what would your answer be if someone knocked on your door and would take you to jail if you said you were a Christian? 
What would your answer be tonight? Say, well, I would say I'm a Christian. Don't say that because it hasn't happened to you. When that day comes, you can say what you would say because you'll have done it already. I hear Christians often, I bless the Lord, they're going to tell me I can't go to church and I'm going to go to church. Unless it's COVID, then that changed that. Did I just say that out loud? I did say that out loud, didn't I? That was one of those that was supposed to be muffled and not come out, but it came out. And as we look at this, he hated the, and he was going door to door, and people were frightened of him, and he wreaked havoc on the church. He continually and constantly threatened the work of God, and we see, letter B, that he also consulted with the high priest. What a guy to team up with. Man, what a guy, the high priest. You know, we look at, we look at bad political leaders and people today, Man, the high priest is about as crooked and as corrupt as it could come. I don't think I'm wrong on that statement. And so when Saul's consulted with the high priest, this was not a good thing here. Because Saul hated those that were of the way. And we know who the way was. It's Jesus. He, they didn't like that. They didn't like refer to them as Christians or Jesus followers. They were of the way. That way. Remember they told them, don't even say, any, don't say anything in Jesus' name, right? Don't preach in that name. They didn't even refer to it as Jesus. Those that are of the way. That's how they referred to them. He consulted with the high priest. And you think about this, Saul was so zealous in his hate of Christianity. He asked the high priest for letters to give him authority to arrest people he could find in Damascus. Do you know how far away? And you think about Damascus. The capital city in Damascus is Syria. That's 120 miles away from Jerusalem. That's crazy to me. Because you th just think with me for a minute. They didn't have a car. In a car in L.A. traffic, it takes a long time to get anywhere. So let's... Let's just estimate 120 miles. That would get you, that's about where your dad works, Johnny, maybe desert center, just, out, just up in those hills out in the desert out there. Takes you about two hours driving if you go close to the speed limit and that. Imagine walking that. Or imagine riding that on a horse or something. I'd rather walk it than be on that horse or whatever else. This is how much he hated Christianity. That he was willing to do this. And may I just say, there are a lot of people that hate the name of Jesus today. And the more they can stamp him out, the more they can remove him from everything they're going to. And there's going to come a day, if not in our lifetime, sometime soon, where you stand for the name of Jesus Christ, and there's going to be persecution similar to what Saul was doing in his day. We see that Saul hated Christianity. And number two tonight, we see Saul's conversion. You know, sometimes you might look, and you might know someone and be like, there is no way they're ever going to get saved. If there's ever a lost cause in someone who's never going to turn to Jesus, you think, this person, there's no way. Hey, there's no way that Gavin Newsom would ever get saved. I'm sure there were people in that day that said Saul would never. And in fact, 
even Ananias and later on the apostles questioned, did he really get saved? Or is this just his way to come take us to jail? That's a clever way of doing it. Guys, I got saved. Let me be with you. Oh, look, here are all the Christians. Come take them away. That makes good sense to me. Oh, yeah, you saw the Lord on, on a road, huh? And wow, you're magically, it magically happened, and now you know the Lord, and everything's great in your life, huh? But as we look at his conversion, the conversion of Saul, of Saul, I want you to understand tonight that there's hope for anyone. The gospel is powerful enough to change anyone. It is. And may I just remind you that really when I look at Saul, I look back to when Stephen was martyred. He was there. The conviction was eating him up. God was working on him. And may I just remind you, God is the one who works on us. I don't work on you, and you don't work on anybody else. The Spirit of God works on us. The Spirit of God was working, and God used the testimony of Stephen and what Stephen stood for. And we have two chapters with Stephen in it in the Bible. And yet, because of Stephen's testimony, I believe it's one of the reasons we have the Apostle Paul. As we look here, and we look at his conversion, we see letter A, that it was a sudden conversion. He didn't have to go through any 10-step program. He didn't have to go get baptized. He didn't have to complete a class to figure it out. As we look here, look at what it says there in verse number um, 3. As we're looking here, it says... And as they journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He didn't see Jesus. He heard him. Which gives me a couple of thoughts here. This is Brian. Okay, you've got to remember. I give you straight doctrine. That's straight Bible. There are times I give you some of Brian's thoughts. Brian's thoughts are not necessarily Bible. They're just thoughts I have as I study a passage. And I would encourage you to think when you read the Bible. Use your brain. God gave it to you for a reason. Think on things. But he didn't see him at this time, right? He heard him is what it says. That's what it says. This tells me, and look at it again. Look there. It says, he saw, saw, why persecutest thou me? How did he know that it was the Lord? He says, who art thou, Lord? He knew it was the Lord. Was it the voice? Was it because he went blind? I don't know. Just something interesting there. There's, could it have been the conviction that he was feeling on his heart that he knew this was God? I don't know. I'm just giving you little things to think about here. But look at what it says. It says, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now think with me for a minute. Did Saul literally persecute Jesus? He persecuted Jesus' followers. And Jesus said that if you persecute my followers, you're persecuting me. Isn't that what he said? 
And as we look here, he says, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now look at what it says. He trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Did Jesus tell him who he was? Yes, didn't he? I am Jesus, right? And what did Saul say? What do you want me to do, Lord? What did Saul confess? That Jesus Christ is Lord, right? That he is who he says he is. What I believe is right there, it's very plain and simple, he is calling Jesus Lord. He's admitting the fact that he was wrong this entire time, and he's turning from what he believed in Judaism and turning to Jesus as Lord, and he was saved right there. I sincerely believe that right there. And as you look at that, as we think about it, we see the fact that it was sudden. He didn't have to go later on to get saved. He got saved right away. And I know sometimes people look and we look at someone, did they truly mean it? Did they truly get saved? First off, the last, I don't think God made any of us fruit inspectors. He didn't. I hear pastors, I see them on Facebook and things, and some pastors just need to get a life and quit posting on Facebook all the time. I hope they would just hear something from me tonight. When you have to like your own posts on Facebook, you've got problems, okay? You need to quit liking your own posts and just get a life. That's what you got to do. When you got to like your own posts, and I, you're, not, you're not supposed to have to like your own posts, okay? Maybe you really like your posts, but it's just, a, it's just something that I would stay away from. But as we think about this, we see the fact that the light came, and he got saved. Aren't you grateful for the day the light came to you? Now I know it probably wasn't the same. You weren't going down the road, and all of a sudden, whoa! But you know the moment I'm talking about. That moment when you heard the gospel, it was like, whoa. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You should know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you might want to make sure you're saved tonight. And I'm not saying anything crazy happened, but there was a moment when the light came on. And this makes sense. The light came on. The light was shown. You came out of a dark place into the light. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And, all, and, you, and sometimes people over and over again to hear the gospel to get the light to come on. Sometimes they never get it. But we see here with Saul that it was a sudden thing. We see letter B, that it was a sure conversion. And what do you mean by that? Well, we see some things happen. And I mentioned a minute ago, we're not fruit inspectors when it comes to witnessing. But sometimes, some people get so caught up on all of that. Do you know what's more? When's the last time you actually told someone about Jesus? I would be more concerned about that than if someone truly meant it when they prayed or not. 
I'd be more concerned that I've actually told someone recently. When's the last time you told someone about Oh, pastor, I just couldn't do you. Oh, yes, you can. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. You surely can't do it. You can. You might not be very good at it, and I'm not very good at it, but if the Spirit lives in you, you can do it. And last time I checked, we don't have to be very good at it. He's very good at what he does. You've got the best seed in all the world. If it hits the right soil, it's going to grow. As we think about his conversion, one of the things that we see is the fact that there was a conviction of sin. We look at verse, and we see what Jesus said. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You've got to understand something when we look at that and we think about it. There was conviction. Sometimes we're, and that's where, you know, I've talked about my children and when they've got, trusted Christ, and who knows, in a few years, they say that they sure they might save the first time or the second time. I want them to be sure in their mind as God leads them. Once you're saved, you're always saved, and you cannot change that fact. But there's got to be something. We got, there's a conviction that comes. And sometimes I've been with many people, witnessing to people, and they're trying to force this person to believe what they're saying, and there's no conviction. There's nothing going on. And you can try all day long to try and get someone to believe what you're saying, but if the Lord's not working in their heart and there's no conviction there, they're not going to get saved. You see, with Saul here, there was conviction. And my honest opinion here is that when, and this is my opinion, is that when I believe that Saul was somewhere and he saw Jesus die, I believe that. And I believe that he saw Stephen and Stephen sounded just like Jesus, didn't he? He sounded just like him. Which I believe Stephen probably wasn't that far away from that whole thing too. These were men that had, these, you know, Stephen the deacon, he was not a new Christian. He'd been, a, he'd been a while around for a while. He probably had followed Jesus when he was around. Just Really, we don't look at those side of things. We think of the 12 disciples, and everyone else just came along later. They all lived in the same area at the same time. And Saul heard this man, wow, he is acting like Jesus. I didn't think that was real, and it's not real. I'm going to take it out till Damascus Road. And the Lord came. There was a conviction of sin. He was convicted in his heart. I personally do not believe someone can get saved if there's no conviction on their heart. There must be conviction. Number two, we see his confession of faith. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Saul saw the light. He heard a voice. He obeyed. In all reality, think about this. Before this moment, Saul was acting under the commission of the Sanhedrin. And now he says, Lord, you tell me what you want me to do. I'm not theirs anymore. I'm following you. That's quite a statement from a man here that hated Christianity. 
We see his confession, Lord. And look what the Bible says here also, that he didn't eat or drink for three days. Very interesting there. You also, and I'm just going to include this here, you don't really have a spot in it in your notes. When you look at later on in Paul's ministry, there are those who were um, calling into question his apostleship. And in all reality, the last known apostle is Paul. You say, well, why? Because an apostle must be called directly by Jesus. And who called Saul? Jesus did. That's why I don't believe Matthias was an apostle. And yes, they tried to do their best there, but that wasn't their job to do. They need to wait on the Holy Spirit. But we see the fact that Saul got saved. He was called by Jesus. His life was changed. And then we see lastly tonight, we see that Saul's faith, it continued. Think of that verse in Romans that the righteousness of God's revealed from faith to faith. Look at verse number 10. It says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, that's already 7 o'clock. It's amazing how t- fast time goes when you're just having... I could spend time in this passage. I could just go on all night long. You probably couldn't. I could. I always try to end at 7 for our teachers and things. We've got to finish this up real quick. Let's get it done. It says, and, and, then, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judah for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he prayeth, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. And, and you see, saints, those are saved people. It's not some special thing you get or achieve because the Pope says you become a saint. We're all saints. We might not act like saints, but we're all saints. And here, verse number 14, And here we, he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. And the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. We see that his faith continued. In the continued letter A, we see that God calls Ananias to help out here. Now, I am a firm believer that what you see right here, and I believe this is the case for every new Christian, every new Christian needs someone to follow up on them. This is discipleship right here. Baptist churches, the churches I've been a part of a lot of my life, are very good at going and giving the gospel. And then it stops there. The thing is, that's one-third of the commission from God. It's a good thing, and they need that, but that's just the beginning. You're supposed to go. They need to get baptized. And then you're supposed to teach them the things of God. And as we look here, we see that, and I believe that this clearly shows us, the necessity of following up with new believers. 
And may I just tell you, and it's not just the pastor's job, it's each of our jobs. There have been many of you in this room, you've gone through a discipleship course with me, and you have a discipleship book. May I just remind you tonight, that discipleship book I gave you was not your keep on a shelf to never use again. That discipleship book I gave you that's filled out is for you to find someone new in the Lord and to take them through the book as well. I've got plenty in my office. And if you're Joel and Maria, when are you ever going to finish the last week in your book? What's wrong with you two? You still haven't finished it. It's been, and you guys have totally broke the record, just so you know. That's the way it goes. Anybody who finishes the discipleship book with me has stayed faithful to church every single time. And uh, if your sister lived a little closer, that would be the one that would be, you know, a little bit there, Michelle. But literally, if they barely start the book and don't go very far, they don't continue in church. That's the way it's been with this discipleship book, except for the Fischettis. And we got through week 13, and they just don't think they need week 14. In fact, I don't know if you signed up on that list. If you're not on the list to meet with the pastor, I'm adding you to the list, and week 14's getting finished, okay? It's getting done in the next month, and then you can say you finished it, okay? We don't want to leave you hanging, and how long has it been? Like three years, four years, five years, somewhere in there? It's been a long time. We're getting that finished. Part of your growth this year is to finish your discipleship book. But that discipleship book is for us to tell someone else along the way. And as we look at this, we see that God called Ananias here. And then we see letter B that Ananias had some concerns. Um, Lord, is that the Saul of Tarsus, that guy? Yeah, he's, he's been on Facebook lately. And he's really not the guy I want to go spend time with. He puts up all those pop-up ads that says, Have you seen a Christian? Let me know and I will take them for you. If you've heard them preach the gospel, let me know and I will take care of them. That guy, Saul? I've heard a lot of bad things about this man. And the Lord's like, yeah, that's the guy. He was concerned. And you and I would be concerned just like he was. Lord, are, are you... I know you say you want him to suffer for your name, but are you wanting me to suffer and you're using him to do this to me? Lord, are you sure? Are you sure? Saul, you know, you can send me to the Ethiopian eunuch or something. But you want Saul, this guy. Yeah. Do you ever give the Lord any excuses why you can't witness to somebody? Do you ever give the Lord excuses why you can't disciple somebody? We need to throw out the excuses and do what God's called us to do. And I'm glad to see that what, look at what God tells him. Letter C, God says, go. Literally, look there. Look at verse 13. It says, Nanai said, Lord, I've heard many things of this man, how much evil he hath done to the saints of Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all those that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, go. Go thy way. Go do it. God didn't want an excuse from him. He said, go. And you can make any excuse you want to not to do what God wants you to do, but he still tells you to go. Doesn't he? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Do you realize tonight that delayed obedience is disobedience? And I love the fact that he did what God told him to do. 
he obeyed. Do you only obey God when it looks good to obey God? Or are you willing to obey God when it looks a little sketchy? We say we trust him, but it's all right. God says go. And we see the fact that God used Ananias to help Saul. And we'll talk about Barnabas soon and how he helped Saul. God used him. God chose, think about this as well, Saul was a chosen vessel by God for a specific purpose. May I just remind you tonight that every one of God's children are a chosen vessel for a purpose. God saved you and God's working on you for a purpose. Hope you find what your purpose is and do what God's called you to do. And I know maybe you as a Christian, you look at this passage and you're like, I didn't have an experience like that when I got saved. Just because you didn't have the bright light shine down on you, if you had the conviction there and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're just as saved as good old brother Saul. It's amazing that an enemy of God turns into one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. Because the gospel has the power to change lives. And it still changes lives today. And I'm so thankful that Saul got saved. I'm thankful that he ended up doing all that he did and suffering all that he did to get the gospel everywhere that he did. If you're not a Jew, ultimately we thank the Lord for our salvation. But then we need to thank Paul for taking the message to the Gentiles. Peter really didn't want to do it. I'm glad Paul did. Paul was just willing to do whatever the Lord wanted him to do. We'll be looking at the next several weeks, the changed man, and how he goes crazy for Jesus, and they're lowering him out of the city off the wall late at night so that he can get away. From those haunting or hunting him down. Haunting, no, hunting down. What a change. But that's what the gospel can do in each of our lives. And I'm thankful that the gospel has changed us. And let's take the gospel and let it change somebody else and share it with somebody. Father,